uh, I'm excited because I'm really excited to share here in a little bit about what's coming up and what's going to happen with KDM English. Now, I want you to turn with me to your neighbor and say the story's not over. You know, it's the Christmas time of year, and so we're all excited about stories and things like that. But the story's not quite over. You know, I love stories. We all love stories. It's, it's just, it's kind of part of who we are. I can remember whenever I was a little boy, I, I loved going to see my grandparents. And one of the reasons I, I love seeing my grandparents is whenever it was time for bed. Because Poppy, that was my, the name we called my grandpa, he would tell us this story. Now, it, was like, it wasn't like, oh, a nice bedtime story. This thing, it developed over years into this saga and this epic tale that by the end of it, instead of us being ready for bed, we were ready to go fight something and do, you know, my parents, my mom would always say, Jimmy Joe or Dad, why are you doing, his name is Jimmy Joe, that's how we're from, we're from the South, we call people by two names in the South, Jimmy Joe. It's like, why would you do this? Now they're all riled up and they're all ready to not go to sleep. But we love the story. We love the story of what was happening. You know, I can remember going uh, in, whenever I was at high school, we had to read English literature. And because the U.S. is only a couple hundred years old, that meant we read a lot of British literature. And so I can remember reading this one story. It's called A Tale of Two Cities. Has anyone ever read A Tale of Two Cities? Anyone? So we have a couple of people. It's written by a famous author. Uh, British author named Charles Dickens, I found out, and this made a lot more sense to me, but he got paid by a newspaper by the word. And so I was like, how could this guy write the same? I feel like he's writing the same thing over and over again. And there's just all these random characters that begin to go into it. And I'm sure you've heard the first of line at some point. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. You know, and they start going through, and he starts writing this story of all these random characters. And I can remember as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old boy, I was like, this guy's a great author. It's just a bunch of random stories of random people. I can do that. But then, as we begin to develop, as it begins to happen, there's, here, this is how long the book is. There's three books in the book. You know, it's just like, come on. You have got to be kidding me. I'm 15. I don't want to read this. But then, book one, bunch of random stories. Book two, mostly random stories. But then, book three, all of a sudden, the stories began to come together. They began to intertwine with each other, and they began to connect. And I was just in shock. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't put it down. I don't want the story to be over. It's like, what happened? It's because we all, we love these stories. We love the story. You know, as Brandy said earlier, my sister is getting married in less than a month, my youngest sister, which is absolutely a wonderful sign of how old I am getting. But... Just to think that my little sister is getting married and actually adulting in her life. But, you know, nowadays there's this idea within photography that you can't just capture the wedding. You have to tell the story of the love. You have to tell the story of what happened, the story that brought them together. You know, it's not just, oh, we're going to take pictures of what happens at the wedding. No, it's so much bigger than that. You have, to, you have to show the story of how you found each other. And the ones that are really good at that make a whole lot of money. And the, here's the thing. We all love stories. We all, it's built with inside of us. We love the story, you know, and we'll pay for it. We'll go and find it. I mean, Hollywood, the film.
film industry has made billions of dollars telling stories. Ancient literature, you, you read pages that come off, they become alive to you because you're so passionate and excited about a story. And it's built with inside of us. And we love being a part of stories most of the time. You know, sometimes there's stories you're like, ah, I wish you wouldn't say that. So Brandy actually asked me, are there any stories you're telling that I need to be aware of before you get on stage? So we love to be a part. Sometimes some of the greatest bonding moments we have with other people is through a story, a story that happens in our lives together. It's something that's exciting. But, you know, what I love about stories is that at some point there's a turning point. There's this turning point that begins to happen. To turn to your neighbor and say, turning point. So some of you aren't sure which way to go. Good luck. But there's a turning point in the story. You know, if you watch, you know, if you watch any movie, if you watch, uh, you know, the superhero movies are always the easiest to show. But if you watch any movie, at some point, there's this turning point that begins to happen in the story. And it's like, oh, this is the moment. You know, sometimes we'll be watching a movie and we'll pause it. And I'll realize, oh, there's still this much left, so this isn't the turning point that I thought it was going to be, you know, because the turning point's always over here. So we love the turning point. It keeps, us, it keeps us on the edge of our seat of any story. And in the Bible, there's actually what you begin, as you read it, you discover that there's a story that's been unfolding since the beginning of time. So what I want us to do today is actually walk through that story and then explore the turning point in history that changed everything. That, that began to, to move us from the past into the future. And so if you begin to look at Scripture, and I want you to turn with me to Luke 2. But I'm just going to tell you the story of the Old Testament, because it's actually fascinating whenever you begin to see it. Because in the beginning, you see that God creates the heavens and the earth. And it was good. That's what it signified. So the world was perfect. And in them, he placed the first humans. Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve, they desired, they had selfish desires inside of them, and so they messed it up. You know, and it's like we were talking about earlier, sometimes we go into the valley, that was a low point whenever they messed it up, but the story wasn't over. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, the story's not over. So, and then you see, if you begin to follow the story, you, f- you find a little bit later, there's a man that seeks after God and pursues him named Noah, and it's like the, the world resets So all the evil and corruption, all of a sudden it's reset. And you see this story begin to progress. But then as you turn around, you can read the next story. I've been reading the Old Testament. It's fascinating, unbelievable, the story that God weaves through time. You see the Tower of Babel that appears. And again, man's selfish desires, they come up again and we try to become like God. Not in a healthy way. But the story's not over. You see another man steps onto the scene and Abraham shows up. He says, my people, my descendants, they'll always be your people. And you begin to see this story unfold and develop. And then you get to a part of the Old Testament called the prophets. I want you to turn to the neighbor and say the prophets. What do the prophets mean? If you start reading, you're like, what are these guys talking about? But they, you begin to hear that, hey, there's something coming in the story that's greater. There's something bigger. There's something so much more than what we've known in the past. And then if you begin to look at at the end of the Old Testament, you see in the book of Malachi, the final set of the prophets. And here's the thing. In my Bible, the Old Testament ends on 803, page 803. 
The New Testament starts page 807. You know, they have a nice page of introductions of what's about to happen. So in four pages. But here's the thing that we don't see is for 400 years, God was silent. You know, sometimes in our lives, it's not that there's bad or good. It's that we feel like God has been silent. Has anyone ever felt that before? Has anyone ever experienced that in your story, in your life? That, man, God, I feel like you're silent. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it's good. It's that I, it's silent. Has anyone experienced that before? You know, there are areas in Brandy and I's life right now that nothing bad is happening, nothing good. It's just we don't see or we don't hear God in that moment or, or just asking God, where are you? And there's a moment of silence. But the story's not over. The story's not over in your life, and the story's not over in the Bible. And that's something that I want you, the first thing I want you to get today is to understand that the story's never over. You know, we love it whenever the story begins to change, and that there's a turning point. And that's where we get into Luke 2. Now we're going to start in verse 8, and we're going to do a little bit of reading. Is that okay if we read from the Bible? Are we allowed to do that at church anymore? I'm not sure. Okay, I'm just making sure. So. Luke 2, verse 8, depends on the church, okay. Luke 2, verse 8, I have the mic, so we're going to read. So, now, just so you know, first part of Luke, Jesus has just been born. And then we get to verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch of their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appears, and the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel says to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. I don't know what swaddling is, but that's what he's wrapped in. So that's the sign. So swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Hey, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went, with, they went quickly, and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it was wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured these things, thinking about them in her heart. And the shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, this is a cool story to me. Now, let's remember what had been happening in Israel. Nothing. Silence. There's been silence. So what I want us to do today is we're actually going to break down this passage really quickly. And we're going to look at what was happening in the turning point of history, the turning point of the story. Because for 400 years, God hadn't said anything then all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Now, I would be a little bit scared, too. I mean, I don't know what that looked like. It says the glory of the Lord. I don't know what that picture was, but it, clearly it was something that was so scary that the angel had to calm the shepherds down. But let's talk about the shepherds for just a second. Did you know who these, who these people were? You know, if you, if you have a nice nativity scene or a picture of the Christmas story somewhere, the shepherds are usually these nice guys with really solid beards, you know, they got a little bit of gray happening, uh, really, really well-dressed, got a nice staff that's always curved perfectly. You know, 
that's the picture of the shepherds. But the reality is in the culture of that time that a shepherd was usually a boy or girl before they hit puberty. So it was about a, anywhere from a 9 to a 12-year-old boy or girl. That's who the shepherds were. And they spent all their time, they spent all their time with their flock. They were out in the fields. They weren't even in their parents' house or their parents' dwelling. You know, that's why whenever you read the story of King David in the Old Testament, you begin to see that Samuel comes to anoint the next king in the house of Jesse, who's David's dad. And whenever that happens, David's not even there. Why? Because he's the littlest, he's the youngest, and he's out with the the sheep. So who does God decide to show up to? Who did God decide to show up to to turn the story of history? Who was it? It was a bunch of little boys and little girls. They were the first messengers of the good news of what was happening. They were the first ones to hear that God was calling. Isn't that incredible to think about? No longer was it going to be the kings or the prophets. or It was going to be the little boys and the little girls. It was available for everyone. The news, the story was now available for everyone. Now let's go a little bit further. What does the angel actually say? What does he actually say? He says, the Savior's here, and it's Christ the Lord. Now, we know all those words, right? We know those now. But did you understand the the significance of those words during that time? You know, the word that was used for Savior, it was the same word that was used in Greek terms for gods that would come down in Greek mythology. They would come down, and they would save and intervene on behalf of mankind. So it was this saying that, hey, God the Savior, is he's coming. And then if you see the words Christ, you know, we always think that's Jesus' last name. But that's not really true. It's actually meant that it was the anointed one. It was Now, what is anointed? What does that mean? So it actually, it stands for that. It meant someone that was empowered by God to accomplish a task. And the last thing he calls Jesus, the angel calls Jesus, is Lord. So we understand Lord as as the same word for God. But another way to use Lord is the owner or the master of all. So what was the angel saying in that moment? What was the angel getting at in the turning point of the story? He was saying, hey, God's come back, and he's all-powerful, and he's been empowered by God, and the owner and the master of the world, he's back on earth once again. Now, think back to Genesis 1, whenever you begin to see the story of creation. What is in that story? It says that what God created was good. So, the first time God was on earth, what was it? It was good. The next time he comes back, what was the result? It was good. God was coming back on earth. The Christmas story is not a story of this cute little picture of Jesus in a nice little manger. But it was actually the moment that God showed back up on earth. And he was ready to take possession of it once again. It was a turning point of the story. It, wasn't no, it was no longer that God was here to intervene and help with mankind. But actually he came down and he became man so that mankind could live with him once again. It's a turning point. That's why whenever you begin to... Look at the time and the dates. It counts down to Jesus. And then it goes back up. Why? Because it was the turning point of history. 
every person, everyone on earth has to do something with Jesus. They can deny him, they can ignore him, they can accept him, but everyone has to deal with Jesus. And isn't it interesting that God chose a small little boy to bring himself to earth. He chose something small, something that many would see as insignificant to turn the story. You know, I looked at, do you know what a manger was? You know, in in our pictures, it's a beautiful little, excellently alfalfa, beautiful hay that's laid out. But you know what the manger actually was? It was a shelf that they would put the food for their animals on. That's what a manger was. So God himself, the creator of everything, he chose to turn the story by humbling himself to be born in insignificant conditions and in moments and in a moment where the people of Israel were very insignificant in history. Why? Because God was saying, hey, it's time for you to understand that the story is for everyone. The story is for everyone. It doesn't matter how insignificant you think you are. I believe that you're more significant than you can ever dream. The story began to turn. The story was changing all of a sudden. Because God had come back to the scene. God had showed back up to them. But here's the thing. The story's not over. This is what I love about the story. The story of God. It's not over yet. Because if you read in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, excuse me, chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, he writes this. He says that we are empowered. We are, he uses the same word. We are anointed through Jesus. What was he? What is the Apostle Paul saying in that moment? He was saying, "Hey, just as Jesus came to turn the story, you are now empowered to change the story." Isn't that incredible? The Christmas story is not about an event; it's about a new way of thinking. It's not about something that happened a long time again, a long time ago. But it's about what's going to happen tomorrow. Because he's given us the ability and he's empowered us. What, is, what does anointing mean? It means that we are empowered by God to accomplish a task, to accomplish his purpose. So now we're actually a part of the story. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, this incredible, I love this passage. So it's Romans 8 verse 19. And it, it says that the earth is groaning. Now what's, what's groaning mean? It's not like, you know, oh. All the cinnamon rolls are gone in the cafe. I'd really love, uh, you know, it's not that. It's not a, oh, this is inconvenient. But it's a groaning is something that's deep inside that, that's just a longing beyond. It's a desire beyond anything we can even express with words. And it says that the earth is crying out, is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Why? Because the earth is ready for a new story. The earth is ready for a story that is different than the story they've heard in the past. Why? Go back. What did the angel say? Jesus is bringing peace on earth. The will of God is good towards men. The purposes of God are good. That means there's hope once again. 
That means there's a future once again. That means the story is no longer about the valleys and everything, but it's about there's a destination we're going to. And we're a part of that story. And that's my challenge for you this afternoon. Can we be a part of the Christmas story? Let's not just celebrate what Jesus did. But let's walk the way he walked. Let's walk in the purposes that he has for us. Because we are part of the story. Do you realize you can be the turning point for the story of others? Do you realize you have the opportunity to be the turning point that changes the course of someone's history? That's who you are. Why? Because Jesus came and he changed history and he changed the story. But his story's not over because we're still here. You realize you're a part of that same story. You're a part of that same hope. You're a part of that same message that Jesus sent. That's who we are. That's who, that's who we're called to be as followers of him. So I would like to do this as we kind of wrap up. So is there someone here today that says, hey, I haven't said yes to Jesus yet. I haven't, I haven't said yes to him. I haven't had the turning point in my story yet. Is there someone here? I'm just going to give you a moment. If that's you, maybe you, you can just raise your hand. So heaven says that there's a celebration every time someone says yes to Jesus. Or the Bible says heaven has a celebration. So I'm just going to take just a second and just a moment. But, but here's the second thing I want to ask you today. Will you be a part of the story? There's two ways you can be a part. The first way is to make a decision that you're going to be you're going to be a part of the turning point in someone else's heart. What does that look like? Sometimes it looks like just being a friend. Maybe it's inviting them here. Maybe it's introducing them to Jesus. But you can be a part of someone else's story. But the second way is there's a determination that, that can be settled inside of us. That we're going we're to be qualified because Jesus was qualified. How many of you ever felt before that you don't, you don't quite, I don't think God could ever use me. Or I don't think, I just have so many wrong things happening. Or I have so many problems happening in my life. But here's the thing. This is what Paul was getting whenever he was speaking to the Corinthians. He was saying that because of Jesus, you are empowered. See, it had nothing to do with who the Corinthians were. It had everything to do with the story of Jesus. So will you make a commitment in your life today that, hey, I'm going to be part of your story, Jesus. Not just, not just to be a Christian, not just to come to church, you know, battle through life as it comes, but to really be a part of his story. Because his story is advancing the life of others. It's to advance his message in the life of others. So are you going
be a part of that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Father God, for today. Lord, I thank you, Father God, for sending your son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you turned the story. That you, that there was a change that happened. That there was a turning point where God came back to us. And God, I thank you that you've allowed us to be a part of that story. God, what an honor, what a privilege to be a part of your story. Lord, we commit today. Lord, and we, we say that we're going to be a part of this story. Lord, that we're going to turn our hearts not justified by who we are, but justified by who you are. And we're, we're going to commit that we're going to be a part of your story. We're going to be a part of the story of others. So that your message can go out from here. So that your message can be heard. 